Did you catch that last verse? There was, the brook dried up, there was no rain in the land. Now, that kind of ties in with the message for today, which is seeing God's purpose in our problems. And if by chance you have showed up here today and you're feeling a little bit down or discouraged, I'm going to suggest that perhaps you have shown up on a pretty good Sunday, because we're going to take a look at five different ways that God uses problems that we create sometimes and brings good in our life. Now, I want you to understand something at the outset of this message, and it's this, that God does not cause the problems. We're pretty good at doing that ourselves. But he can certainly use the problems in our life. And he has a purpose behind every problem that you and I face. And we're going to answer the question today, what are God's purposes in our life when difficulties come? Well, purpose number one is this, that sometimes God uses problems to direct us. In Proverbs 16, verse 9, it says, A person may plan his own journey, but what? The Lord directs his or her steps. Now, I hope you got that and understood that. You can, you can set all the goals you want. You can have all of the objectives, lay out all of your priorities, clarify your values. You can set your dreams, but then it says, but... It is the Lord who directs your footsteps. Now, understand, the Bible says you and I ought to plan. I mean, after all, it would be kind of a crazy, chaotic worship service today if the music team didn't plan anything and just kind of decided to wing it. It would be the same kind of thing if I just walked up here today and said, well, what do you all want to hear? And you all go, I don't know. And we all go home. I mean, that would be pretty chaotic. We need to make our plans uh, because, uh, well, without it, um, things kind of grow chaotic. Now, in the Bible, we find people who hear God's plans, understand God's plans, but then they kind of change their own plans. Some of you are very familiar with the story of a, a young boy who came up to his father one day and said, you know, Dad, I want my inheritance, and I want it right now. So his dad gives him his inheritance at that point. The young kid goes off, and he has a wild time, wild living, to the point where he's on his hands and knees in front of a hog trough, pushing a little pork and petunia out of the way to eat some of the stuff that's in that little trough. But the Bible has an interesting statement. It says, but when he did what? When he came to his senses, he said, I'm going to get up and go home because it's a whole lot better at daddy's place than it is here in the hog pen. Now, that's so very typical in our lives today. We often never change until we hit rock bottom. And when things go well, we rarely think about things like, you know, why am I here? Or where did I come from? Or where am I going? Or where am I going to go when I die? Or what's the purpose of my life? Perhaps you remember the story of Jonah. Uh, you might say he was swallowed by a pretty big problem. But when that problem spit him out, he's not where he started. He'd been heading that way, and God says, uh, no, Jonah, this way. And this way and that way between them was a pretty big problem, a big fish. And when he spit out, he suddenly starts heading back in the direction that God wanted him to go to do the right thing. That's the parable of life. If your life is anything like mine, I've gone in one direction in spite of the fact that God suggested I go in another direction. And I found out that it doesn't do well 
as scripture says, to kick against the pricks. It's not a very pleasant experience. There's another guy I'm sure that you're all very familiar with. His name is Paul, otherwise known as Saul. Uh, he's talking about a friend in 2 Corinthians who's gone through some major pain. And he said to him, I'm glad not because this hurt you, but because the pain did what? Turned you to God. Elijah, the guy that Lair read to us a little while ago, a very powerful man of God. He'd gone through some really hard times. He battled the prophets of Baal, calling down fire from heaven and watching these crazy Baal worshippers cut themselves and scream to their false god. And he just goes up and says, okay, God, do what you want to do. But then everybody's very angry at Elijah, and Elijah is forced to run away. But God comes to him in his love and compassion and says, you know, Elijah, you need a little R&R. In fact, Elijah, just relax for a while. Rejuvenate and refresh yourself by this bubbling little brook here. But then what happened? One day, the brook dried up. Have you ever had a brook dry up in your life? You thought things were coasting along and suddenly everything just kind of disappeared. Something you were depending upon and all of a sudden it wasn't there anymore. Maybe it was a job or maybe it was a relationship or maybe it was a friendship. But many times in your life, if your life is anything like mine, when you get comfortable, suddenly the brook dries up. You can count on it. Happens. So what did Elijah do when he was told, move on? Well, he did what you and I would do. He complained. He moaned. He, God, what's the matter with you? you? You told me you gave me some little rest, but now you're going to kick me out of this wonderful place. You let the brook dry up. Don't you love me anymore, God? You promised to meet all of my needs. I mean, I'm in the ministry for heaven's sakes, Lord. You ought to be taking better care of me. I'm thirsty. There's no more water. So come on, God, give me a break here. And then God comes back like he does with all of us from time to time. And he says, of course, I love you. Of course I do. I promised. I promised to always provide for you. I promised always to be there for you, even in bad times, even when your creek dries up. But Elijah, there's just one little problem here. I don't need you at the brook anymore. don't need you here. And the only way I can get you where you need to be is to have that brook dry up. That's why sometimes God puts you in different jobs. That's why sometimes it's a different relationship. Sometimes it's a situation. Sometimes it's a different circumstance. And when this happens, is God being mean when he suddenly changes our direction and asks us to move on? I, I say, no, God loves us when he uses our problems to direct us in another path. Here's the second purpose. God uses problems to inspect us. Jeremiah 17.10, the Lord does what? Searches our hearts and examines our deepest motives so he can give each to each person his right regard according to his deeds, how he has lived. So God is using the problems in your life. And I have no idea what problems you may or may not be facing today, but I know that God sometimes uses this to show us what's really going on in our hearts, to show us what truly is important in our life and in his kingdom. And because of that, God is more interested in your integrity than in your image. He's more interested in what's going on inside than he is on what's going on on the outside. Solomon, pretty wise guy, Proverbs 16. 
Humans are satisfied with whatever looks good. Isn't that true? Did you all look in the mirror one last time before you left the house this morning and say, Man, God, you did a great job on this one. I did not say that, by the way. But sometimes we just say, I'm satisfied with whatever looks good. But God says, I want to I want to deal with what is good in your life. Let's remember another Old Testament story, too. How about the children of Israel led by Moses? Uh, they cross the Red Sea. They're finally out of Egypt. God is delivering them out of Egypt. They cross the Red Sea. They get to Mount Sinai. They get the Ten Commandments. And now all they had was a desert to cross. A desert which, by the way, if they had gone and done what God told them to do, would have only taken a couple of weeks at tops. But it took them 40 years to get where God wanted them to be because God was testing them and they kept failing. And every time they failed, it was just one more lap around Mount Sinai. Maybe some of you have had lives like that, too. You've gone through this. We all have. God loves us enough, though, to keep testing us. God takes us through wilderness experiences where we wonder where God is, where we wonder where God, what God is going to do next. And sometimes God is just still, that's still fault, that still voice that kind of taps it on the shoulder that says, are you ready to obey now? Are you ready to listen to what I have to say now? See, when you're going through things like that, very simple questions. Will you trust and obey even when you don't understand everything that's going on in your life? Are you willing to trust God that much? Now, I don't do much grocery shopping. I know I look like I eat groceries, but I don't do much grocery shopping. But every once in a while, my wife sends me to the grocery store and she asks me to buy stuff that I hate to buy. Fruits and vegetables. Now, it's not that I don't like fruits and vegetables, but she always tells me, when you go there, don't grab the first thing that's in the bin. You've got to pick it up and you've got to squeeze it a little bit. And I just feel really stupid. I'm picking up a sweet potato and I'm like, okay. I guess I put that in a sack. I don't know what it's supposed to feel like. The, the tomato looks red to me in the bag. Well, you probably wonder where this is going. Do you ever feel like God's ever put the squeeze on you? I mean, he's doing that because he wants the best from you. He, he's doing that because he loves you. He, he puts the squeeze on you and that shows you a little bit something about what's on the inside. So your reaction to difficult times reveals a lot about your faith. It reveals a lot about your commitment, your integrity and your spiritual maturity. God tells us that when God puts the squeeze on, it is always a refining experience. This is Isaiah speaking in chapter 48. I have tested you in the fire of suffering. Could anybody say, been there, done that? The trial of suffering. See, just like the heat burns off all of the impurities off of silver and gold when it goes to the heat, God sometimes uses suffering, those suffering times, to kind of burn off the impurities of our life to purify us. Now, I have a sinking feeling that with a crowd this size, even if I was at Restore today with 15 or 16 or 20 people, I would say the same thing, that some of you are probably suffering right now. And I have no idea what that suffering might entail. But my encouragement would be to you, 
Instead of thinking about who to blame for your suffering, perhaps to ask God in a simple little prayer, God, through this time of suffering, what impurities could it be that you're trying to purge from my life? What do you want me to do to get through this this difficulty of life? Now, I've lived a long time. I'll be 79 years old come September, 57 years in the ministry. And I can tell you that I have been tested any number of times during those years, and I anticipate a few more along the way. But see, life just simply is that. It is a test. Is what we say we believe really what it is that we believe? See, we believe a lot of things. I mean, we already said this morning, we already said the Apostle Creed, we said this is what we believe. But when problems come, is this really what we believe? Or is what we think what we believe? Or what somebody else has told us, some other peer has told us to believe? Now, I may say God is first in my life, and I would say that very boldly today. But when the, when the pressure is on, I'll also confess that sometimes my confidence in him gets a little bit sidetracked. I may say I have integrity, which means to have a one-piece heart. But when the pressure is on, like all of you, I'm sometimes willing to take a slightly lower standard. And this is where God comes back in again. God uses problems to direct us. He comes to inspect us. And purpose number three, he uses problems to correct us. That's another word for discipline. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, it says God corrects all of his children. Maybe some of you never saw that before. You thought, oh my gosh, I'm a child of God. Can I expect to be corrected? Oh yes, you can. He corrects all of his children. And if he does not correct you, this is kind of a scary little statement. You then really don't belong to him. God corrects us for our own good because he wants us to be holy as he is, to be set apart the way he was. And in light of this, do you know the difference between correction and punishment? See, punishment looks at the past. It looks at what you did. You did so badly that you have to be punished for it. But correction looks at the future. You did badly, so now do it different. The next time. See, the great thing about our loving Father in heaven is that God never punishes those people who have accepted the forgiveness of Jesus, who took all of their punishment on the cross. Everything that you and I deserve because of our indifference to God, his son Jesus took on the cross. And maybe you'll think about that and remember that on Good Friday, when ultimately at the end, when Jesus said, you know, it is finished. I've taken all of their sin away. Now, he does correct us, that's for sure. And he does this because of his great love for us. Now, we've raised a couple of kids, have a grandson. I don't have any, I won't ask you to raise your hand, but have you ever had a child that you had to correct? Don't look at them. They know who they are, you know who they are. But an uncorrected child, I would suggest, is, is an unloved child. And the Bible makes it pretty clear. Correction is proof that I'm part of God's family. See, if you sin and God doesn't correct you, what does that say? You may have to ask yourself, am I really part of God's family? Job 5, 17. Consider yourself fortunate if God, all-powerful, chooses to correct you. How many of you, is that your life verse? (laughs) 
<laughs> Don't think me. Oh, wow, I'm really fortunate because God chooses to correct me all the time. Uh, if you ever read C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis says something the same way. He says, God whispers to us in our pleasure, but he shouts to us in our what? Pain. Now, pain may be God's way of saying, hello, wake up. I've got something to tell you. I remember a gallbladder surgery that went bad. They accidentally hit my descending aorta and I spent a week in the hospital. But as luck would have it, they said a vascular surgeon came through and sewed me all back up. But what I realized in that little time in the hospital and a couple weeks of recovery, I kept thinking over to helpless and hopeless, just where God wants us. You ever got to that point? I'm helpless and I'm hopeless, but perhaps that's exactly where God needs me to be at this time. Now, I've told many people many times that the truth will set you free, but it's going to make you really miserable <laughs> until he sets you free. Uh, Job 36, God teaches people through suffering and uses distress to open their eyes. See, life is like a, a school and the problems are our curriculum. David says way back in Psalm 119, it is the best thing that could have happened to me for it taught me to pay attention to your laws. Now, I said before, I, I've been in the ministry for 57 years, uh, a lot, most of it as a pastor. And I could tell you story after story of people who have said to me, uh, Barry, that illness, that separation, when I lost my job, uh, when I went bankrupt, that trial, that difficulty, whatever it was, that was the best thing that could have ever happened to me because it forced all of my issues to the front. And I knew when they got to the front, who could help me grow and get through this? And it was my Lord. See, sometimes, friends, you don't know God is all you need until God is all you got. See, when you lose everything you have and all you've got left is God, you're going to learn that that's, that's more than enough. See, when little problems arise, don't ask, why is this happening to me? <laughs> We're all pretty good at whining like that, but maybe we should say, Lord, what is this problem teaching me? There's another purpose here. God uses problems sometimes just to plain, simple protect us. Psalm 91, God will save you from hidden traps. That's why some of you have a radar detector in your car. Maybe you ought to have a sin detector. Well, it's right here in your heart. See, in the Middle East, shepherds who have sheep that tend to wander off all the time, it is said that sometimes shepherds, in order to keep them from wandering off, break one of their legs so that they're no, not too apt to stray. Now, I'm not going to say God's going to snap your leg, but sometimes God needs to get you flat on your back to get your, his attention. Not literally, but there are times he lets us go through problems, he lets us go through pain to protect us from what could have very well been even greater harm in our life. It's kind of taken me a long time to learn this. My grandpa used to say it's an awful dumb horse that doesn't learn from a beaten. I was about 16 when I figured out who the horse was. Me. But see, sometimes you don't need to solve the problem. You just need to realize that God has allowed this into your life to prevent you from doing even greater and bigger and stupider things in your life. It's kind of like a warning light that comes on your dashboard. <laughs> warning, warning. One final thought here on this, that even though problems may be used to protect us, sometimes you're going to face problems, not because you did something wrong, but because you actually did something right. Has that ever happened? The most familiar Bible story 
with that would be Joseph. Remember Joseph? He's in Potiphar's house. He's working as a servant in Potiphar's house. Unfortunately, Potiphar's wife has the hots for Joseph. And she's trying to seduce him and to get him in bed every which way. And he continually says, no, 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 no. Well, eventually, she accuses him of what? She accuses him of rape. And he gets thrown into prison because of what? Because of his integrity. And years later, Joseph, after having his brothers throw him down a hole, sell him into slavery, being charged with rape, ending up in prison, what does he say in Genesis 50, verse 20? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. So, friends, God gives us problems to direct, inspect, correct, and protect. And the last one is to perfect us. Someone has written, your greatest spiritual growth won't come on the mountaintops, but in the valley. Your greatest spiritual growth doesn't happen on the sunny summer days when everything is wonderful. Your greatest spiritual growth will be in the dark days when things aren't going good in your life and you turn to God for dependence. So God will use those days in your life for good if you will but let him. Now, I don't know what problems are here today, but I know enough to know that there are problems here today. First Peter 5 verse 10 offers us some encouragement. It says, after you have suffered for a little while, and by the way, uh, if you suffered your entire life, it's still a little while compared to what you're going to see once you pass out of this world. But after you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who calls you to share his eternal glory, that's what you're going to do someday when you step out of this world into the next, in union with Christ himself will do what? He will perfect you. In other words, God used that problem to make you better and give you firmness, strength, and sure foundation. So you see, friends, your problem is not your problem. Your problem is how you respond to your problem. So when does your problem become a real problem? Well, I'll tell you, it's when you respond in the wrong way. It's when you lose God's perspective on that particular problem. It's when you start blaming other people for your problem. When you become bitter and angry and refuse to forgive other people, that's when it becomes a problem. It's when you lose your sense of humor. It's when you throw away your values, the values that you were raised on. It's when you focus on all of your problems you've got and not on God. So the question is, what are you going to do? When it all goes south, what are you going to do? Well, I've got a little self-evaluation that's on the back of your worship folder, but I think it's also here on the screen. Maybe you need to ask God some of these questions. Lord, are you using this problem to direct me? And if so, Lord, what do you want me to change in my life, my attitudes, my thought process? Where do you want me to go? What direction do you want me to take? Or maybe you need to pray this prayer. Lord, are you using this problem to inspect me? If so, what does it reveal about my life? Is it exposing a weakness in my life, an insecurity, a a misplaced priority? Uh, Is there a sin? Is there some unforgiveness in my life? I've been holding grudges against people. Is it a compromise I've made with the world, with another person, or with a sin? Or maybe this question, Lord, are you using this problem to correct me? And if so, what do you want me to learn from this problem? I'm not even going to ask why. I'm just going to ask that you 
Let me get an idea of why you're doing this. Or, Lord, are you using this problem to protect me? Have you brought me into this life to keep me from getting hurt, even in a worse way? If so, I trust you because you know best. Or maybe you just need to pray that prayer. Lord, are you using this problem to protect me, to make me more like you? Problems. Put them in God's hands. Let him walk you through it all. In Jesus' name, amen.